This is Plant-Based Briefing. Should we make tennis vegan? Part 1 by Jordi Katsimatjana at veganfta.com. And I'm Marian Erickson, your host. I'm a voiceover artist who turned plant-based and then vegan upon further research and then created this podcast as a way to share information about plant-based and vegan lifestyles. I narrate with permission a variety of articles in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article is a bit longer than that, so I've split it into two parts. I'm reading part one today and part two tomorrow. Today's article is from veganfta.com. They're a small team of vegan activists supporting all forms of activism. I recommend following them on social media and checking out their website. They have a wealth of resources and they produce amazing content, articles and videos, and they share wonderful content from other creators as well. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Should we make tennis vegan? Part 1 by Jordi Casamajana at veganfta.com. Jordi Casamajana, the author of the book Ethical Vegan, interviews Danny Rosenthal, the long-term committed vegan New Yorker who wants to make tennis vegan because currently it's not quite vegan friendly yet. I had no idea. I thought that after my 20 years of being vegan, I managed to get rid of all animal products from my home. But I have one item that not until now has it ever occurred to me that it may not be vegan. Some years ago, I had a very bad attack of a type of sciatica causing me pain in my leg. Since then, I've been able to prevent further attacks by doing daily stretching and by applying pressure to the piriformis muscle in my gluteal region, also known as my bum, when I feel pain building up. The best way to do that is by using a tennis ball. You lay on the floor, put the ball where the muscle is, and lean on top. After a few minutes of increased pain doing this, normally the pain goes away as the muscle warms up and blood gets to it, healing it. I found the ball at my local park in London, undoubtedly lost in a human and dog, bring me the ball game. It looked quite intact and clean, so I decided to take it home and use it for my exercises, remembering my chiropractor's advice. But now that someone told me that many tennis balls are not vegan, I had to check this out. Danny makes tennis vegan. I assumed that the times when animal guts were used as strings for tennis rackets are mostly gone. Nylon and other plastics have now replaced them. I also knew that there were vegan-friendly sports shoes now, so tennis shoes should not be an exception. But I never thought about the balls. So when I googled it and found a campaign titled Make Tennis Vegan, I realized this was quite an indicator that tennis balls may not be as vegan as I thought they were. Why? Because it turns out many are made of wool, an animal product rejected by all ethical vegans which comes from a cruel industry that harms sheep and damages the environment. Danny Rosenthal, an American vegan for almost 30 years, founded this campaign because he cares deeply about sheep. When he learned that tennis balls used at competitive-level tennis were made of wool, he created Sheep's Tennis, intending to produce vegan tennis balls. But as it seemed to be a too difficult and slow process, he decided to turn it into a campaigning organization, too. I wanted to check if my tennis ball was one of those that is made of wool, and learn how Danny found out that many are not. My colleague, Jackie, from Vegan FTA, put me in contact with him. From his apartment in Brooklyn and from my flat in London, Danny and I had a Zoom chat, which started as customary with me asking him about his vegan journey. I've been a vegan for about 29 years. I consider myself an animal welfare supporter, an ethical vegan, and I've been involved with supporting various vegan-related efforts. I believe that I was born to be a vegan, but it took me about 24 years to realize it, unfortunately. I was lactose intolerant, so my body was not accepting dairy, and I felt repelled by meat. 
I grew up in a household and in a culture that never recognized animal cruelty. I never met a vegetarian or a vegan when I was a young person. The concept just didn't occur to me. And then, when I was a young adult, I had a girlfriend who had a job as a babysitter. She told me that the mother of the child that she was caring for was a vegetarian. She took a little moment to think about it and said, "I'm a vegetarian too." I took about a day to think about it myself, and I said, "You know what? I'm a vegetarian too." I had this clear understanding of why I felt this way about me and animal food all these years, but I just had never quite made the connection. Once the connection was clear, there was no way I was ever going to retreat. And so I was vegetarian for a year, after which I became vegan, about 1991. And in all the years since, I've just become increasingly committed to it. I asked Danny about his tennis credentials too. I'm also a tennis fanatic, so I play tennis. I'm a teaching professional and I'm a coach. I play competitively, but not at the professional level. I played rather seriously as a youth, and then regrettably, I let it go around the time I went to college. But it was a passion that was always simmering with me, and I always had an idea that I wanted to return to it. And then, about seven or eight years ago, I re-encountered the sport as my kids were getting into their teen years, so I found myself with a little bit more discretionary time. I started a club, and then I started playing competitively. I'm involved almost daily with something related to tennis, either playing, teaching, or coaching. And I'm also on the board of a couple tennis organizations. One is involved with bringing tennis to low-income youth. I'm really interested in expanding access to the game, disabusing the idea that the game is for white affluent people. I'm really interested in universalizing the game. The disappointing discovery: No matter how long you've been a vegan, you will continue to experience the disappointment of discovering that something you've been using for years isn't vegan after all. Sometimes it is just a matter of interpretation regarding what makes a product vegan enough for you, such as if the company producing it was taken over by another non-vegan company, or you discovered it is testing on animals in some circumstances you didn't know about. But other times is unequivocal. If there is a clear animal product in it, such as honey, whey, or wool, when that happens, you have three options: continue using the product reluctantly if you feel you need it, and there are no vegan-friendly alternatives for you. Stop using it altogether and move on, or attempt to make the product vegan by either contacting the manufacturer or starting a campaign. Danny also had these three options when he made his hugely disappointing discovery. It was actually initially related to tennis shoes. About every six months, I go to a sporting goods store in New York City called Paragon. It's one of the major sporting goods stores around. They have a very large selection of athletic shoes, so I go to the sneaker section, and I typically would say, "Show me your non-leather shoes," and I would just pick out one of them, typically whatever was the least expensive. For whatever reason, one time about three years ago, I said, "What tennis shoes do you have that are vegan?" Instead of non-leather, I used the term vegan, and the salesperson was surprisingly knowledgeable about it, and he kind of smirked at me and said, "None of them are vegan," and I got very upset. And I said, "What do you mean? I've been buying non-leather shoes here for years." And he was like, "Yeah, they're non-leather, but there are animal products in the adhesive and the dyes." And that was very distressing for me. I went on a mad research effort to try to identify entirely vegan shoes. I finally did, not because they were purposefully made vegan or marketed as vegan, but I was able to go through with back channels through somebody I know who's in the industry to identify a pair of Fila shoes that don't use any animal products, and I got that verified through the company. I was satisfied, but along the way, it occurred to me, what about the balls? The balls must contain adhesives as well. So, with dread in my heart, I went and researched that, and I found out it was much worse than I imagined. The covering contained wool, so that set off an alarm for me. The problem was worse than I had anticipated. 
and I was really very upset. I considered quitting the sport that I love. My wife, who's also vegan, seeing how upset I was, said, Don't quit tennis. You can't quit tennis, but do something about it. I said, Of course, you're right. I decided to take it up as a project. You just listened to Should We Make Tennis Vegan? Part 1 by Jordi Casamajana at veganfta.com. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. And I too was horrified to learn that tennis balls are not vegan. When someone first mentioned it to me, I started researching and came across Danny's website. I'm so grateful for what he's done and was able to purchase the balls that he's confirmed are vegan. Unfortunately, they are the lower end balls, not really suitable for competitive play. And the majority of balls by far are not vegan. And there's something like 350 million tennis balls produced every year. So tune in tomorrow to hear the second part of this post and learn what Danny decided to do about it and where things are now. And please share this episode with anyone who might benefit. And thanks for listening.